everyone and welcome back to nobody left behind it's brian joined by frank tonight it's gonna be a tight cast i'm sure um, as i am sipping on a corona premiere the new ultra light beer coming in at just like four percent alcohol and like 90 something calories is that the new is that their answer to michelob ultra yeah it's technically lower in calories and lower in carbs than Mick Ultra. Which means it has less alcohol. Nope, actually has just the same. Hmm. So, but Michelob Ultra came out with... Is that? They came out with a an even lighter version of Michelob Ultra. So, it's called Michelob well, Gold. That seems like... Uh... Corona's defying the laws of nature. Yeah, they're really pushing it. I mean, honestly, <laughs> Henry Weinerds, I think, is technically bending the, the laws of of nutrition. They make yep. a 70-calorie sparkling water at 5% or 4.5%, something like that. Really, though? Is that possible? It's, Are they getting away with some, like, VW emission scam? I don't think so. I think they're pretty... <laughs> pretty strict on things especially if you put them on packaging in the united states okay i don't know i i I don't know i will neither confirm nor deny the fact that i believe they might be getting away with the vw emissions scam do you think they're getting uh, fewer miles per gallon than they're putting on the sticker yep roger stone told me well therefore you know (laughs) and once nunberg backed them up i just was like oh god Fair enough. Corona, no big beer, no f- away. No further questions, Your Honor. Mm-hmm. None. None no, Sign, sealed, delivered. Case closed. No um, need to question anything. Are you drinking a LaCroix this evening? Um, LaCroix is the correct way. No, but, it is um, not. Their website says it rhymes with enjoy. It's pronounced yeah, LaCroix. It's because it's from Wisconsin, and there are a bunch of bastards up there lying to people. It's just Can't borrow a French term and then go. It's just mm. Paul Ryan is the only one who's really yep. focusing on that. Well, fine, you know. And then they're going to come back and say, "Well, it's Native American." And I'm going to go, "Okay, fine. You you might have a point." Okay. Um, but then, how did they say it? Right? Did they say Croy? I bet not. No, I, I bet, bet they not. didn't. The Anglo-American English accent until you guys pretty much forced them to have it. I don't know who you guys are, but sure, we'll go with that. Well, your ancestors, Brian, not mine. Not hell if it was. Not mine. not mine. I know when my people got here. My oh. people were in the desert for 40 years. Do you remember that, Frank? They were walking around, wandering <laughs> lost. There it is, yep. One-sixteenth of Brian. His little pinky was in the desert for 40 years. <laughs> Once you've been there, you, you I'm never going back, man. Yep, I'm sorry. Um, that was that was pretty good. So yeah, I'm having Lacroix. The uh, rumors are true. I'm having the cran raspberry, and you know, suspiciously tastes um, like cran raspberry. I don't know what I was expecting. I feel like that one. Good. Oh wait, it's the it's not the one in the pink can, is it? 
Well, it's sort of pink, but it's the Pomplemousse, I think, is the one you're thinking no, of. No, 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 it's no. Pomplemousse pump, yeah. is not. It's in that, like, uh, it's a melon-colored can. The one that's in the pink can, yeah, I'm almost positive. this one is pink, then. This is pink. Okay. That one, I'm pretty sure it yeah. tastes like, does it taste like water poured over some roses and then captured? Uh, because that's. Well, I could see how people might taste that, but I taste the Raspberry Jolly Rancher strong in this one. The pink one, if it's the same one that I especially I'm, in the after flavor. Sorry, and it's got a it's got a Raspberry Jolly Rancher afterbirth. Oh yeah, hey, no, very happens. much so. I mean, you take your placenta, you mix it up with some of this, put it in a pill, dry it up. I bet you wouldn't know the difference. I think you might. One's a pill and one's a can <laughs> of so. one's a can of rose water that's carbonated. That's what I described it as. <laughs> I think I might still have one shoved in the back of my fridge because no one at my house would drink that. Um, it's by far, suffice it to say, my least favorite LaCroix. Um, but oh, good okay. on you. Good on you. It, you know what my least favorite one is? is the, the the lime. Because I do... I actually go through the trouble of like adding a lime to my water. Well, yeah, because you want like the little bit of like real lime kick, not yeah. some fake watered-down bullshit. You know what I'm never going to do? Take my package of $4 worth of raspberries and cranberries oh, yeah. and waste it on flavoring some <laughs> fucking water. So um, that's why I buy this. And to me, it tastes Adequate. all right because, you know, I've never wasted $7 worth of these things in some water flavoring. So I guess maybe that's why this is passable to me. Get the, the lime one, I just can't do. Um, and coconut. Coconut's it's, disgusting. We we discussed uh, that. God, um, give me the real coconut flavor. All right, I think that roast I think, it while you're at it. I think roasted the, coconut. The, is the listeners will hear all about it at the end of this week, Frank. The listeners yeah. will hear I'm all sorry. about it. I'm sorry. I, I hate I hate to ruin surprises like that. You know, it's maybe. a good about ten minutes on coconuts later on this week. Stay yep. tuned. You're gonna enjoy it. So, Speaking of which, what do you think about that new Roseanne, dude? Yeah, I saw you liked it up on on the Twitter tweets. I I don't know. I mean, I liked Roseanne when it came out the first time. I think Roseanne Barr is kind of batshit crazy, but good on her. Keep doing what you do, girl. I think I'll try to watch it. Like I I don't know why, Frank. Okay. I'm gonna I guarantee. Listen, here's here's what's up. I guarantee it's. I think it's gonna be funny. Yeah, it'll be funny. But I'm talking about you in general, and I know you. I've known you for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to enjoy a sitcom. It is a tra- if it's like the original. It is a traditional sitcom, set up okay. punchline joke, set up punchline joke. While you might enjoy it for an episode or two, I don't think Frank is going to be coming back to it. Episode eight, nine. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, okay. So there. Have you seen this uh, Spanish family? I cannot remember the name. I'm calling it the Spanish family. They're Cuban. Um, this Cuban family sh- sitcom on Netflix. Um, um, not familiar with it, oh, dude. It is hilarious, and and it's it's sort of a sit like a sitcom. It's not, um, it's not as punchliney, and and I'd say the jokes are a little bit more. Oh, it's called One Day at a Time. Okay, um, and I guess that used to be an actual American sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but because they're saying it's a reboot. Regardless, go watch one day at a time um, on Netflix. It is hilarious. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
You know what? <clears throat> While we're talking about it, I've been wanting to talk about it the last couple of episodes, but what I've really enjoyed on Netflix is the new Queer Eye. That show is awesome. <laughs> the show is badass. Sorry, which one? I, I, you cut out for me, but the listeners will definitely hear what you say. <laughs> it's, the, it's the new version of Queer Eye that's on Netflix. Oh, okay. I've heard good things about it. The show is awesome. Uh, they yeah. address both like you know current uh, like social problems <laughs> that we have within our society, uh, but it also addresses some just like you know things that don't get discussed enough. Uh, whether it be like I don't know, uh, just self worth in general, uh, yeah. with with people valuing themselves and putting effort into themselves. That's kind of cool, uh, and also like it's. People listen to it and they're like, oh, it's queer after the straight guy. I remember that shit from back in early 2000s. I don't know. I'm sorry. I was doing my best Parker impersonation. I felt like that was pretty good. Um, but it's not uh, It's not the old queer eye for the straight guy. I mean, it's literally, they cover all <laughs> all, all creeds, all uh, sexual preferences and orientations. Uh, I think I lost Frank. Oh, God. Cool. No, I'm I'm on. I'm sorry. I I tried to switch my connection and it didn't it didn't work. Okay. Well, I th- the cutting out I think definitely is is on is on my side. I apologize. I did okay. not. I I was intending for it to go smoothly and it it totally crashed and burned. Crashed and burned right in my face. Yeah, your face <laughs> face froze in like a stroke face for a second. And I was like, oh, you can't hear me. <laughs> well, I apologize, but the analysis of the queer eye. Uh, I've heard very good things about that show. I think so. So, I think it's kind of funny, right? Like, it's if if good shows are made and people are given a chance to make good shows, regardless of orientation, race, whatever, um, they're entertaining. It's not. I'm not. I'm not watching a show to just see me in the show. Right, and mm-hmm. I understand that as a white guy, that's very easy to say. So I'm very happy that other people are finding the same representation, and hopefully, at some point, we'll focus, we'll we'll refocus again on the quality of the production, not just who's doing it or um, the orientation of the production. Right, and I know we're not there yet, but um, at some point when we get there, that's when we know that either a quality has failed miserably. Or we're at a good spot, and hopefully it's the latter. Because it, it, I saw the the kind of um, same feedback happen for this one day at a time sitcom, right? Like a lot of Latino, um, the, the a lot of the Latino community thought finally a sitcom that represents us. That's not like the George Lopez show, which apparently was oh. actually pretty offensive. Yeah, it um, was like so, a caricature of a Latino family in America. Yeah. It was pretty bad. So I'm 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 happy for that, but um, yeah, I think it'll be good because I mean I I feel like there's a lot of um, pent up rage that is all warranted, right? Just a bunch of white guys making movies about white guys and ladies, um, and not having enough female leads and all that stuff, and maybe we'll get a black Marvel storm movie this year or like i get that let's kind of you know get that through our system over the next couple years um and see where we're at and hopefully it's a good spot 
Frank, I don't know what you're talking about. We have NRA TV now. That's where the white people go oh to do their God. shit. Oh, my God. Did you see the John Oliver on that? Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> I, I like how his big one of the biggest takeaways was Roku. Oh, my God. They're considering us a real platform. <laughs> yeah. And not, not just that. The the whole, like, he 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 does the analysis on the on the on the programming so well and his favorite spot and i'm gonna ruin it but everybody go watch this hbo thing uh, it's last week tonight and go watch the, the little 20 minute uh, john oliver presentation but uh he he said his favorite uh part of any show and they apparently watched hours of nra tv because he writes a 20 minute segment for a once a week episode i think it's pretty easy to watch hours of nra tv if that's all you do so goes and watches nra tv and uh they have this show where they try to get people over their fear of guns and they bring this lady out and they're like, shoot this AR-15. <laughs> this poor lady. I don't know if she came away like loving guns at the end, but like they 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 forced her to shoot this AR-15 to get over for her fear of guns. I mean, and the lady goes, Yeah, feel that? It's just a little poof. Just a little poof. And then it goes. <laughs> it's like it's it's pretty funny. The the whole the whole thing is is hilarious. They talk about like how you can customize some some person sells uh gun paint that you can <laughs> paint your AR15 with to customize your weapon. Well, that seems <laughs> yeah, that seems real safe and real good. Well, I'm just going to paint this extra piece. It'll be great. Nothing nothing bad's going to happen here. We're just going to paint it oh. and personalize it with my name. And I totally actually slaughtered his favorite piece. His favorite piece was the painting with guns. Yes. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, because he called it uh, an, a, a, an aborted fetus onto a canvas that I uh-huh. shot. With guns. With guns. Oh, the All train's right, Brian, back. you're going to have to carry us through here. <laughs> uh, ladies and gents, Frank's broadcasting from his back patio this evening. And... Uh, He's experiencing train trauma right now, uh, and less than a couple hundred yards away from Frank's uh, Frank's house, there's a giant freight train that just comes rolling through beautiful South 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 Waco, and uh, it's right on the Union Pacific line. I'm actually surprised they're on time. Uh, are they union uh, down there? It, no, it's, are they what? Are they union employees? No, it's the Union Pacific Railroad. I know that was a joke about being on time. Oh God damn it! Come on, <laughs> oh, you're gonna have to bleep that name out. No, uh, <laughs> we left your uh, deep dive analysis into where Parker lives. We left that. that yeah, <laughs> from yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's actually kind of hilarious because the the complete disregard for. Is the train coming? Oh my God! There's a. Is the train coming into your backyard, Frank's back? His Frank's backyard. I mean, is pretty much. Up. You know, the problem that I've got with this <laughs> is the city can designate this as a no horn zone because both of the intersections in our town are controlled intersections. So there's no reason 
for the horn to keep going off, but they won't do it. And I don't know who's like who's in control here. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Just keep having this horn. I mean, it's like it starts at 5 a.m. and it goes oh. once an hour pretty much till about 11. Wow. And then then it's done. It's it's just absurd. Well, uh if it makes you feel any better, dogs bark here at my house from 6:30 in the morning till about let's see, about 11 at night. It's absolutely mm-hmm. insane. And they it's like people put their dogs out in their backyard and they're like and they just kick they them. Gotta work. They yeah. kick them in the back or in the side and they're just like, "Hey, bark at the neighbor. Go ahead. Go ahead do it." And the dogs will just bark incessantly like they well, will you know, not know that's they'll bark over the top of each other they'll bark it anytime it's quiet if a noise is made then they start barking again it's insane. but it's so easy to solve that too like bark collars are not inhumane no um that solves it and the other thing that solves it is the bark collar spray that will spray like mint in their face or something uh, that's the more humane way. Just just control your dogs, people. I don't like not picking up after dogs Frank. pisses me off because I do it. I, I don't care if you pick up your yard, right? Like, but if you're on a walk, pick up your dog shit. Frank, it's um, inhumane for me to discipline my dog. That's why I just throw it out in the backyard and let it shit all over itself. Yeah, it's so dumb. I don't get it. I don't get it either, man. Well. The the other Netflix show that uh, while you were on Queer Eye, I yes. thought about it did win an Academy Award. So this sounds super disingenuous of me, but if we had done this, Icarus is actually really interesting and really good. Um, you mean the fable or the actual show? No, the actual documentary. Yeah. It, it did win best documentary at the Oscars. So that's me the, saying it now is like, oh yeah, you know, jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. Isn't that the <laughs> documentary about Russian doping and cycling? It is, and it's interesting because the the actual premise was not that. So the guy had a he he was purposefully doping to prove that the doping, like the system that they used to catch dopers, was very easy to cheat so he was he went into this race in france uh got 14th place then he was like okay i'm gonna dope and i'll do better next year because they won't catch me um and i guess if you do like essentially like a meal plan a doping plan you can predict when things get out of your body because it's just a chemical right so um he was doing this doping regimen and actually the guy in Russia who was the head of the Russian it's Rusada so it's the Russian anti-doping agency helped him concoct this doping regimen just like he had for all the Russian agents or Russian athletes and that's sort of where the whole story unravels and then it turns into the Russian doping scandal and it's it's it, it has a drama element to it that's like the last hour of a two-hour documentary, very good, totally worth seeing. Um, yeah, I don't think I spoiled anything, but that's the premise of the the whole thing. It's good. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of good shit on the old Netflix nowadays. Mm-hmm. Quite, uh, quite hard to find it. though. 
Like I think they what, need to Netflix probably bring Johnny Ivy in. Yeah, their know, their algorithm know. is not is not on point for me, man. Like I we watch a lot of things on Netflix, but it seems as though you you want to talk about a service that's hard to navigate, Hulu. Hulu can go Hulu fuck itself. To, yeah. I don't but know. I, I don't what think the Hulu fuck. actually has an algorithm. That, no, I think they just list everything. It's literally they have a randomizer, and they thought that mm-hmm. was an algorithm. They're like, "Oh, you want to subscribe to this? What does that mean? Nothing. It means nothing at all because we're never going to show it on your fucking feed." Here's all this randomness. Did you want to watch some commercials? No. We got a but whole you know, feed of commercials for you. Enjoy. You know what would be nice? Okay, and and maybe this is just what annoys me about Netflix every once in a while. When I want to watch something that I um, haven't seen and is highly rated, which is what most of the time, right? If you're looking to watch something new, yeah, you don't care about ratings, but you do care about ratings. Um, I well, don't you, want you care about ratings when you see something that's terrible. Yes, <laughs> and you, you'll know pretty quick. <laughs> or sometimes you want to watch something terrible, and that's okay too. But the 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 interpreting what I will think about the movie component of Netflix annoys me, and because I I'm never asked if I enjoyed the movie that I just watched, it just figures. You made if it I got it. to the end of it, I enjoyed it. If I didn't get to the end of it and switched, I didn't like it. And yeah. that's not always the case. Um, it's not. It's not quite so black and white. So that part, that part does annoy me. I think patterns do tell you what types people like, but I don't think necessarily within the types they tell you what. Well, in the, um, the specifically, because I normally do watch the sitcom, not the sitcoms, but the standups. I don't enjoy ninety percent of them. Um, some of them are far too vulgar, and others just aren't very funny. I, I like the old system of rating that they used to have, where they it was a star system. It was like five stars is the best, yeah. and one star was the worst. Now they just literally have thumbs up, thumbs down. Like, well, give me a, a middle ground somewhere, and then uh, you can use that to judge. Combine that with your algorithm of did they make it to the end? I mean, Jesus Christ, it's not that hard to fall asleep in the middle of a stand-up special. you're a freaking billion-dollar company. Go buy Rotten Tomatoes and then just use that data to tell me on your platform what people think are good. Shows, movies, whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, maybe maybe they use... Just improve that part and Netflix will be better. I mean, we could go through and help a billion-dollar company, but I don't think they're going to listen to us, one, and two. I think we we were probably worth a little bit more than that, Frank. So That's true, yeah. I don't uh, sell my soul for a billion. Maybe I, two. You know what? I I can be bought maybe for a two. lot less than you think. Really, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to watching... Because, you know, I'm a big... Uh, Top Gear fan, the UK Top Gear, and then when yep. uh, Jeremy, uh, Richard, and oh my God, why can I not think of Captain Slow, James May, when they got when they got booted off of uh, BBC and went over to Amazon Prime Video, I'm like I got I got I got hype for the Grand Tour. Loved the first yep. season, loved the second season even more. So I've been you know clicking around on Amazon Prime Video more and more. I look on there and they have some like. Funny or Die shorts. Have you watched any of that stuff? Yep. There's one called Zach Morris I've, is Trash, okay? And Zach Morris being the character off of Saved by the Bell, the 90s yep. high school sitcom. 
And it's literally a two-minute short, two to three-minute uh, like episodes. And it's a guy fast-talking uh, and showing clips of Saved by the Bell and how explaining how shitty of a person Zach Morris is and how manipulative he is and how just, like, rude and crass as shit as he is. Like, there's one where he, like, he, he works at a teen help hotline that they have there at the school and then hits on this girl who calls into the teen helpline, hits on her, gets her to meet him at the Max, the hamburger joint. And uh, mm-hmm. then when she gets there, he realizes that she's in a wheelchair and then is like, whoa, you're in a wheelchair? <laughs> and then spends the rest of the episode like explaining to everyone, hey, just because she's in a wheelchair doesn't mean you treat her any differently. And like the look on um, her face is just atrocious the entire way. And it's, it's hilarious because, you know, when I watched the show back in the 90s and... Then in reruns after, you know, you watch and you're like, oh, that's Zach Morris being Zach Morris. Wow, wow, whatever the, the freaking <laughs> the whammy bar guitars were in between every scene. But at the same time, well, like, he was also very rude to the principal. Oh, yeah. No respect for authority. That guy. Absolutely in, no respect for authority. In general, you realize like, oh, that kind of set the bar for how people, especially who were like in high school in the 90s, how they kind of treat not necessarily minorities, but just people who are not like themselves and not like Zach Morris in general. Like I hear people like it's, it's kind of ridiculous how cheesy and corny that is, but at the same time it translates pretty well. Let's just think about how speech has evolved, right? The R word was freely said in elementary school. Yeah. The F word not the derogatory term to gay kids was freely spoken in elementary school, middle school, and even high school. Yeah. Um, yes. Peach has evolved. People grow up. Um, we can only do better. I mean, I would not say that any American high school was the quintessential beacon of progressivism <laughs> in the nineties. Um, not at all. <laughs> Or early 2000s. There is a reason Columbine happened. Yeah. And there's a reason it still happens. Kids are rude and they're mean and they <laughs> and say mean things. And it's mostly a extension of the parenting that they well, receive. Uh, so. Yeah, parenting in the environment that surrounds them. Yeah. And when people, uh, let's say, cater to enriching a shitty environment, a shittier yep. environment will be birthed out of it. Yep, Ted Cruz looking at you, boy. I'm going to start calling him Todd because I feel like Ted is too good. So I'm just going to refer to him as Todd Cruz because I feel like that's really what he's become. He ate someone else and became Todd Cruz. God, he is such an evil human being. I was so happy to vote for Beto in the primary, but I I might finish a whole bottle of champagne. I might douse myself in champagne right outside the polling booth. <laughs> After I vote for Beto and it's Ted Cruz, I have not like, you know, me, I had, I had qualms with voting for Hillary, but I hated Trump so much. I voted for Trump or I voted for, Oh God damn it. (laughs) And and I voted, I voted for her and and, and, like knowing candidates have flaws. Right. Yes. And, and I was okay with that. I was, I was a lot happier to vote for Obama because he did run a four year, White House that 
that didn't have scandals. An eight-year eight year White was, House that didn't well, have scandals. Well, at the point that I voted oh, okay. for him, it was four, but yeah, sure. it was, right? And then all of a sudden, I've got to vote for this person who were, like, explaining away some things that were some ethical kind of qualms, right? Oh, and, and we, thought, okay. we thought they were ethical qualms until the... Yeah. Jesus until, Christ. Yeah, the Mad Max of ethical qualms showed up. <laughs> so, so, that's fine. I'm telling you i've never been or i've not been since obama been more excited to cast a ballot for one guy for one guy and uh, i'm gonna have to do something when i leave that voting booth after voting for him even if he doesn't win i don't give a shit i hope he wins oh i hope texas realizes how terrible teddy is so Um, i just want to go over one one quick stat and then i won't get too much further into it ted cruz ted cruz so uh, early Texas early voting plus one percent of all precincts. Now we're recording tonight on Tuesday, March sixth. Uh, this is the night of the Texas primaries. So tonight, before we started casting, one percent of the polling places had turned in their votes, and uh, all the early voting had been turned in. There were over four hundred thousand Texas Democrat Democratic votes cast already. Okay, with one percent in early. In 2016, during those primaries that they held, also in March, um, there were 500,000 Democratic votes total. Total. So there's some people that came out of the woodwork (laughs) to to come and vote. Uh, So that's not to say that uh, that's a... It's a a shoe-in. Texas Democrats are are coming back. It's absolutely not. Uh, because there are still a lot of fucking people in this state who don't do not vote in primaries. Yeah, still don't. Um, and <clears throat> I wanted to run this by you though, Frank, to see what your thoughts were. Here, uh, Mrs. Bryan has a coworker who is. We'll just call her uh, a. I don't know how to say it properly, but a feminazi. Okay. A lesanazi. We'll say. <laughs> Uh, she's yeah, it's extreme. It's the, it's the type of person we spoke about early. To, early no, 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 no. She's it's still very open in, in in all things, but she is very set in her ways. Okay. Uh, but she responded and said, "Like, oh, I'm voting in the Republican primaries today, and I'm voting for all the shitty candidates that have no chance of winning." Now, I wanted to get your thoughts and opinions. I have my own mm-hmm. here, but I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that tactic. Because in Texas, we have open primaries, so you don't have to be a registered yeah, Democrat that's to vote Democrat. a really good way Democrat. to get closed primaries. Don't do that. Yeah, it, well, one, yeah, don't. I mean, I don't think any Texas conservatives are really listening to this podcast, but um, I don't want to get that but out you to you. Oklahoma conservatives. <laughs> both of you who listen to this podcast, <laughs> yeah, you know who you are. No, uh, well, the Oklahoma has closed primaries anyway. As a matter of fact, they don't tell Democrats that there's a primary going on or that voting <laughs> is even allowed. <laughs> they just get half of them to go vote. They're like, Are See? you sure you're you're a Republican? Yes, sir. Well, today you're going to play Democrat, okay? <laughs> going to play okay? Democrat. You yeah, got this is your ballot. Just hit okay. Okay. All right. I'm taking this, ba- this ballot's empty. Yeah, exactly the way it should be. Yeah. <clears throat> That's right. As empty as their hearts, these socialist assholes. Now, go Ted Cruz. Be, Christ be with Ted Cruz. If we're you in know, Oklahoma. He's not even in this, this state, man. He's not our senator. This election was well, paid for by Ted Cruz. Embarrassment to society. Go Ted Cruz. Go Ted Cruz. 
um, it, Oklahoma had a special election tonight. Did uh, had that turnout? I don't know. They probably ran away with it. it they they either didn't count the votes because it didn't matter. They were going to change it anyway, uh, like Oklahoma is is wanting to do. Um, I'm looking at you, prison reform. <laughs> Yeah, 2016. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, that was some bullshit, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's ugh, man. Oklahoma is it's a real basket case because they're the, okay. So the union, the teacher union, is going to strike, and I guarantee you they're going to have support from the average Oklahoman. Okay, mm-hmm. and they're going to have support because who wouldn't support the lowest paying teacher, the lowest paid teachers in the country getting a raise? Right. Now, the problem is, is these people uh, who voted in this policy are not going to correlate correlate the fact that the Oklahoma teachers are unionized and therefore they can strike and therefore they can get a raise and <clears throat> essentially demand something that your vote has denied them. Um, they're not going to correlate that. So they're going to keep voting for the Mary Fallons. And if the teachers ever want to raise, they're going to have to go strike. Now, the problem with that is, is there are other people in that state that cannot unionize or are not unionized. And, (coughs) excuse me, you are shitting on them equally as hard by casting your vote for the Mary Fallons of the world. But they, they just won't see it that way. They'll support the teachers and then go back to their hypocritical voting ways for, um, the next election and not understand that their votes actually the reason the teachers have to do what they do. Yep. Well, so. makes you feel any better. Um, Republicans won that special election, uh, 72 to 28. <laughs> oh, nice. That's good. It was a, it was a district election. So it was uh, really specific to one part of the state Yeah, and not a real progressive part of the state. <laughs> If Sweet. there is one, can't wait. Yeah, yeah I, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I, I know around the towns of Tulsa and in parts of Oklahoma City, there are like not everybody is a like Bible hugging, abortion hating conservative that loves guns and wants yeah. Taliban type rule in our country based on faith and I don't know what other bullshit we can come up with but um, the, I know that's not everybody but man there's a lot of them the, the issue <laughs> the is. issue is you have uh, pockets of very vocal progressive people in Oklahoma yeah. and they tend to rah rah yay yay and other people who are less likely to I don't know how to say this properly give a flying shit uh, about yeah. politics who might favor those rah-rah uh, progressive views. Uh, they hear people talking it up, and they're like, oh, I got it in hand, not my fucking problem, and then they don't show up to vote. And mm-hmm. then then they're pissed because they have shitty school districts that their kids are going to, or they don't have fucking roads with concrete on the t- or asphalt. Or every road every road's a toll road. Leading in and out of when your you fucking city. Road, it's not maintained. No. I... I, I that's the part that blows my mind. I mean, at least the toll roads that we drive on down here, uh, they're for the nice. most part, are pretty well maintained. With the exception of Dallas North Tollway, which can suck a bag of D's. Yeah, um, but I believe that one's part of the state investigation into 
um, listen funding getting split between it and other toll roads and them over collecting on overdraft fees and all that dude, stuff. Dude, I I don't even don't even I don't know if toll I, I think they sent off. people like four or five bills. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and they break they it. all had different invoice numbers, but it was for the exact same time. Yep. Like yeah. I, I had to deal with that when I was uh when I was driving toll road the Dallas North Tollway in particular. I would get one yeah. for Dallas North Tollway, and I would get one for Sam Rayburn Tollway. They're all part of the North Texas Toll Authority Association. Yeah. And it would be for the exact same amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or within pennies yeah. of difference. And they'd be like, hmm, you, you charge into this toll, this toll booth at this time. I'm like, well, okay, it's physically impossible for me to get from that toll booth at that time to that toll booth at that time. They're the same. Yeah. You, that was the same toll booth. One toll booth. You just charge. I couldn't twice. turn around and do it that quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's like eight miles difference in under a minute. Like I'm not. That's I drive a so, Kia. That doesn't happen. <laughs> the other thing that's funny, right? Like, do you have like ten people paying for that bridge over by your house? Oh that my god! It's so GD expensive. It, like, that, that is how myself and Mrs. Brian get to work every day. Oh. And I think we've probably already paid for a good chunk of it since we've lived out here. But yeah, that toll bridge I has been up. I believe how expensive that thing is. That toll bridge has been up for nine years. Oh, it's got to be paying for itself. No, that's the deal, dude. This is, well, and I know that this is an issue in other parts of the country where like tolls, toll roads and toll bridges, like the the like utopian view of tolls in general for roads are that like, Oh, once the, once this bit of roadway gets paid off, you move it. then yeah, you remove the toll or it's reduced it down happens, to so yeah. little of amount to just maintain based on traffic across or whatever, but it never happens. The toll for that bridge has gone up 40 cents in the two years that I've, that we've lived out here. 40 cents doesn't seem like a lot, but when you travel it two times a day, five days a week, it can really suck a bag of dicks. On top of the oh, oh I'm sorry, uh, forty cents a toll. Uh, on top of the uh, you know eighty cents that it costs to drive on it in the first place. So dollar twenty each way per car. It sucks. So I always I always get that toll. Like I'd say about three to four weeks. So they must batch them and then mail them out. Yes. And I've never gotten the same toll charge. Mm-mm. So I think it's one of those on like on demand tolling systems yeah, or whatever. Hit, that's why they put them on digital boards because they can surge. That's so stupid. It's dumb. So, okay. This, the system down here in Austin, I like, okay. So I, I, I don't mind surge tolling. I, there's a good, it's good economic theory. Um, in practice, it also works very well because you do find the optimum price level for a given moment in time to reduce congestion, right? So it's, I understand it's regressive and poor people can't pay it, so they're stuck in the slow lane. I get that, okay? I'll just tell you that from an economic pricing theory perspective, that is pure pricing theory and it holds water. If you can come up with a better way, then let's do the better way. Um, but but it, it does hold water. Um, it's like I've got right a gold bar. It's how we determine prices for everything. So if you don't agree with it, then don't ever buy anything that has a variable price to it because it's how it's always determined. Um, so regardless, uh, the most that I pay 
And you know, in Austin, the main vein is 35, and then there's sort of this other artery over on the west side of town called US-1. It's Mopac. And Mopac has serious congestion issues from north to south in the morning and then both ways in the afternoon, okay, into the city and out of the city. Now, is Mopac what Donald Trump is against and he said is the worst trade agreement that U.S. has gotten into? It's yes. I'm confused. Yeah. I yes. get, get so confused. It's the with... toll road that we share with Mexico, uh, San Antonio, McAllen, all the way. <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah. That's the one that Hillary yeah. was for and Donald Trump was against. Right. That makes sense. I, I Actually, I think Hillary laid the first mile. I think that was part of the deal. I knew it. Oh, I think sorry, they said ahead. we'd build Mopac in Austin, the liberal enclave of Texas, if Hillary Clinton enclave. and Barack Obama came and did the first mile. It took them a while. And George they Soros. To free up time on their schedules. Don't forget George Soros. And Soros funded it. That's yes. right. Yeah. So actually, it ended up being Soros funded Obama Clinton minions, libtards that built the first mile. I knew it. All right. We've, so, had, all, we've had all of our quota. Right, go ahead with your story. Sorry, go ahead. No. So, so, um, the highest that that toll has gone has been about five or six bucks. To me, that's still worth it because that's an hour and a half of my time that uh, people spend in that traffic jam that I can pay five or six bucks and be at home and walk my dogs and do all that, right? So even still, I understand why some people don't pay it. They exit in a couple exits. They don't want to pay the five bucks, whatever. That's fine. In that environment, your fucking toll bridge is still absurd. Yeah, one hundred percent is. I, I will it's say, crazy how expensive that thing is to go that little quarter mile. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Next time you come up, you don't need to take that. Just um, in Google uh, Maps or Waze, just hit avoid tolls, and it will take you about two miles down the road to the. Basically, you just drive around the outskirts of the lake instead of driving across it, and honestly, it adds. 15, 20 minutes to your, okay. to your travels. Most, most, uh, trips. Now, if you hit it at high traffic around like four 30 to six, I'll have to give it a whirl. Yeah. If it's on, if it's like a Friday afternoon, just go ahead and bite the bullet and go that toll road. But yeah, if it's mo- most other times, just save your money. It's, it's dumb. I'll go through, I've, I've even driven through the colony and up that way through little Ohm. But dude, <laughs> That toll bridge was basically bought and paid for by the neighborhood that I live in because for the longest time we were the only houses out here and that was the only reason that that toll bridge was was built. And that entire road, that four-lane road that, that runs across the bridge, the only reason that was built was for this housing division. Yeah, I mean, I think the the... <laughs> Hopefully the tolls will go down. <laughs> I don't, don't even because <laughs> there are only more people moving out there. So yeah, there's a fifteen hundred in that they kind of say, okay, volume's increasing. There's a no, but see that's the thing: volume increases, prices go up. Yeah, because traffic is going to deteriorate the bridge faster, so we got to upkeep it. You know, things like that. It, it's it's infuriating because it's taken them two years to build a fucking road out here. Uh, you know, where we sat and watched them clean up that car accident that one night. <laughs> it's taken them two years to get that road where there's f- six lanes, basically, and only two of them are open right now. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's, it's, 
I get so frustrated when talking about traffic and traveling here in Dallas. Uh, and then when I talk about traffic out by my house, it's just next level. It really is infuriating. We live in basically a small town of maybe 8,000 people. <laughs> yeah. And we cannot figure out how to get traffic from point A to point B in under 20 minutes. Oh, and there's only a three-mile difference between point A and point B. It's insanity. Well, Dallas traffic is just insane. In Dal- Dallas traffic is insane because of just the mass quantity. Out yeah. here where I live is insanity because of sh- like it, someone approved the building of a thousand homes and they were like, huh, we sit back and just watch the money roll in. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. They need roads. It was like some dumbass playing like Sim city. And they were like, yeah, we're going to build all these giant, <laughs> these giant well, buildings and didn't put you're any not streets. allowed to put toll roads on an interstate. So I've got a feeling and and I think the state legislature is about to crack down on this significantly. Local municipalities are using the toll roads to fund their contribution oh, well, to local state highway projects. See, here's the issue. Interstate projects. Texpress, T-E-X-Press, so real clever guys, they've put toll roads or access, toll access roads on interstates all across DFW. The major, oh, wow. the major thoroughfares of I thirty five W, eight twenty, that's supposed six thirty six thirty five, and I thirty five E. So basically, what it is is it used to be an HOV lane, and they were like people were uh, people were abusing that. So what they did was they have like two lanes that are sub are divided or separated from the rest of traffic, and they have a five mile an hour higher speed limit. They have fewer on and off exits. And it goes in directions with flows of traffic. So in the mornings, the southbound version of Texpress is open on I-35E. And in yep. the afternoons, the northbound version. So people can get into the city and then get out of the city in the afternoon. Which, in theory, like that has helped immensely. It has lessened the congestion in certain parts of the interstate. But what it did was displace... De- uh, congestion from one part of the interstate to another part of the interstate. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't I mean, it make just, any fucking the sense. Now happens north of wherever the Texpress meets. No, the- it's even in during the Texpress part. Uh, like it's lessened um, lessened congestion, you know, in chunks in chunks of it, but it's worsened it in parts where the interstate is less accessible. Yeah. So there's a bottleneck, and I understand that's how traffic flow happens in general. Like you're gonna have bottlenecks here and there, but what they did was displace it in a way that like it, you can't go any other any other direction. There's no there's no outlet to stop the bleeding, I guess, stop yeah. the congestion. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I'm gonna invest in a helicopter. We're gonna blow up No Beer Left Behind as much as we can, so I can buy a, a helicopter and I just fly around the city. Really cut my travel time down. What do you think? You think that'll be a good expense for the for the millions of dollars that we have in our budget? Yeah, I think. I mean, I I can't see how having our podcast host mm-hmm. um, being forced to travel with the common folk, common folk is a good look. For yeah. us. No, um, I mean I think that it should definitely come with a promotion in a helicopter. It says on our podcast description we're a podcast for the common man, but we're for the common man. We are not common men. Though. Exactly. We right. it's it's all about servant leadership, and yeah, uh, that's right. And I know it says by the common man, but that's just we're waiting for copyright edit. To, and to we're really it. just 
we're placating to our audience, you know, kind of like uh, country music artists placate to uh, their listeners where they say yeah, about working that, I mean, hard. Uh, our stuff. president, right, he tells everybody he knows poor people better than they do. Well, mm-hmm. he's never been poor. So. He knows military no one actions knows better than military. Person. Yeah, yeah. He knows more about military things than military that's right. People do bones, bone spurs and all. He knows how to get out of military service better than anybody. Yeah, he will pull out faster than he can shove a plan B down some girl's throat. Anyway, there. Yep, just waiting for that. One. I'm gonna hit this. God damn it! Wrong one. Oh yeah, <laughs> <Heck> expert. <laughs> It's time for a beer count. Listen to this track. Beers. Um, Frank, I know you're still drinking your shitty rose water with Lacroix. Lacroix. Nope, nope, nope. Nope. I've switched to mango, which is my favorite flavor Ooh. of Lacroix. You know what? Treat yourself, Frank. Treat yourself. It's my favorite one. Um, I have. Have you had the mango? I have not. I don't think I've. I was going to say I don't even think I've seen that up here. Oh, dude. So I used to work at this place that gave unlimited amounts of LaCroix to oh, people. I thought you were going to say mangoes. And I was like, and, and, well, I, I petitioned for the mango one to come in, but I didn't do it in the same style that this other dude did it by actually writing a petition. I just went to the lady who bought it, and I was like, hey, could you get a pack of mango? And she was like, sure. I think the formality with which the other guy did it got him denied because it was like, <laughs> are you fucking serious? You should be working, and you put a petition up. <laughs> and went around to collect votes. Like I understand democracy, but this is a, like the literal definition of a dictatorship here. What are you doing? Um, so, yeah, he didn't get his Laquan. I got mango. It got me hooked. I love this stuff. Uh, More like bango. Sorry, that's right. One of bango, mango. I think that sounds that sounds legit. So yeah, go get yourself some mango Laquan. Um. I have since finished my Corona premiere, uh, and I have moved on to uh, an Alesmith beer that I'm kind of kind of crunk for. Uh, I had this last week during a uh, a blind tasting, and I kind of fell in love with it. I don't know if you can see the can, Frank, but uh, this is Alesmith's Sublime Ooh, Mexican that's a, Lager. That, but that looks like American Solaris cans. No, 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 no. This is the Sublime, like you know, the band Sublime. Uh huh. So they used to make this beer, and they used to only sell it in forty ounce bottles, uh, as uh, you know, a little homage to uh, forty ounces to freedom. And uh, Edward Forty Hands, if you will. No, the the band Sublime had a. (laughs) I know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Damn it. Anyway, uh, this beer caught me off guard last week in the tasting because when you smell it, it literally smells like the grain room of a of a brewery. So basically, where they mill mill grain and send it to the boil, you know, send it to the mash tun. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It smells so damn good. As it warms up, it starts to smell just like corny, like just straight up cornmeal or uh, flaked corn, corn flakes. flaked flaked maize. Not corn flakes because that's got a sweet aroma to it. Uh-huh. Um, but like just straight up corn. Uh, Does it smell like people might be baking bread? It doesn't have a yeast quality to it, um, okay. but it's it's more of a like a a lightly a lightly toasted bread crust, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Uh, you know when you warm up it like does. white bread and you're like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? But it's the mm-hmm. crust has that, uh, I don't know, a little bit of a, a heartier smell to it. I can see that in here. But really what it is is just straight Pilsner malt or Pale Two Row or whatever the hell they're using in this. It, you can just smell just grain powder. And malted grain powder well, in particular. It smells amazing. It drinks super, super easy. And the fact that it's a sublime can, I mean, that's next level awesome. I will I will let the fact that you said warm up white bread slide. Well but no, only that's ones. Well, that's what that's Don't the ridiculous mention white bread as be even being edible. Well that's the, that's that's why I said what the hell are you doing with your life? But it's because okay. that's the least least flavorful bread crust that I could think of. Uh, yeah. And least fair, aromatic. Fair enough. I just wanted to be very clear that white bread is disgusting. <laughs> you don't like it when it gets stuck to the roof of your mouth, Frank? That shit's so good no. with some American cheese, you know, American craft slices. And I'm, I'm talking about, like, <clears throat> the bleached flour, like, craft of, not craft, uh, Wonder Bread, uh, white bread, right? Like a good sourdough has has as room, but that actually has we all like, know we all know that you know, sourdough is not is not white bread. Yeah, <laughs> it I, I don't want it to color. be mistaken as no. that. But no. yeah, bring bring some fucking Wonder Bread up in my life, and I will smack you upside the head with it, I mean, and then probably present it to the birds. Just I'd throw be. it out on the lawn. You will not be eating that in my house. Your your birds that that frequent your house wouldn't even eat it. They're turning their nose up at it. You get some. That's right. That's right. They're well trained. Hoity-toity birds. They come specifically for the whole grain bread. You come correct. We only do that powerhouse bread or whatever the hell the, right. the inmates make. It's the shit we. So eat. Brian, you uh, you declared that you had some stuff to get off your chest. I don't believe it was Dallas traffic. No, it was not. It was uh, on the Dallas traffic bit. It was it was tariffs, Frank. <laughs> it was oh. goddamn tariffs. Why are tariffs getting you worked up, man? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because I have a fucking 90-year-old mole man uh, coming on my TV telling me that uh, uh, a 25% steel tariff and a 10% aluminum tariff, I won't see the I, – I'll never see the end result of that as a consumer. Maybe um, maybe that's it. I don't know. And, uh, and how you're you're big on the beer can effects, right? I am 100% big on the beer can effects. And then the more I got to thinking about it, the more and more I got pissed off. And that to catch everyone up, if you've been, um, I don't know, living a life and not paying attention to what's going on around you, um, Donald Trump made a statement last week that uh, he was going to place a tariff or a, uh, an import tax on. Uh, raw goods imported to our country, namely uh, steel and aluminum. And, and the numbers seem to be made up. They were uh, straight from the hip. I mean, he pulled out his guns. He didn't even look. He just went, pew, pew, just fired them off, <laughs> hit Paul Ryan in the chest. It was the damnedest thing I ever saw. I haven't seen shooting like that since Dick Cheney went bird hunting. And he nailed two things that annoy the shit out of me, like one steel coming in from another country. I'm like, okay. Sure. Um, if you're going to tax that more, then why did you... And you're going to talk shit on steel that comes in from other countries. Why did you use so much of it when building your buildings? <sighs> Whatever. What, we, you, we can get into that later. That's how you build a building, Brian. Yeah, I know. I know how business works. 
Um, but I also understand what it means to uh, practice what you preach. Luther Vandross taught me that. Anyway, uh, the thing that pisses me off is aluminum in general. And aluminum, uh, being a raw good, uh, has to be has to be treated once it gets to this country. Uh, in particular, when it gets to um, like major factories that produce blanks for, let's just say, beer cans and uh, beer beer <laughs> beer suppliers have said. A long time that they've they buy as much American made aluminum as they possibly can before the that amount runs out, so they're forced to buy aluminum from other countries. But that's that's the case for steel too. I, well, not, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it is. I know America about, does not produce enough heavy metal or just metals or rare earths. Period. Right to 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 make the amount of things that we consume in this country. I don't know if you heard me talking about steel. I don't know shit about other things, but what I do know is beer. <laughs> and the no, one, the yeah, one, the one I, area no, for sure. I'm just some, I'm adding some some clarifying facts here because it's what you're saying about aluminum is true for any other thing that you want to put a tariff on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, beer, basically breweries. Buy as much American made as they can. Uh, demand for their product goes up so much that they can't meet that demand with American made aluminum, so they import it and they pay that tax and they try the, their best to not let it increase the price, the, the end price of the, the you know the final product. However, uh, they still use a shit ton of imported aluminum. Uh, so Wilbur Ross going on Fox news or Fox business, whatever the hell it is and holding up a Campbell's soup can and telling people that it is only six tenths of a penny, uh, that the end consumer will see, uh, like increased into their product that they buy every week. It's a little disingenuous when you, uh, and when you start spreading that six tenths of a penny across, uh, 24 cans of beer. While, yes, it's still a minute amount of money in the long run, uh, businesses, especially large businesses, rarely do they ever eat the, the, the new cost. They yeah. always pass it down to the consumer. And passing down and to it's, the consumer... It's not, it's not as though, let's just also be clear here, they're going to say, oh, huh, we're now buying non-American steel or non-American aluminum we better add 10% or 25% to the price of that car. It's just going to be a broad increase of the raw mm -hmm. cost of, of, of steel and aluminum. It's not a 25% increase on in the cost of the car or, I mean, in cars and, 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 and uh, kind of buildings specifically because they use so much steel and aluminum, you'll probably see, um, a lot of that ten percent on every product, but in in the case of of beer, right? There's a significant amount that's not going to use American steel. Yes, or sorry, American aluminum, and there's a significant amount that will. So it'll be a little bit more blended. Maybe you see three to four percent increase in the price of beer to account for this ten percent well, aluminum. Beer. I bring this. I bring this up because right. most people hear that number and they're like, "Whatever, a few pennies, no big deal." Every year, beer goes up at least one time a year, sometimes twice a year, based on taxes, state taxes, federal excise tax, and general price increases in the production of a product. That's normal. Beer distributors work with suppliers to make sure that prices normalize for the most part and stay within pricing categories. The issue is when they do have to increase, it is 
pretty well known that even a five cent increase on a package of beer, on a six pack of beer, not a 12 pack, but a six pack of beer, a five cent increase equates to about a 15 cent increase at the retailer. A 15 cent increase on a 6.99 package, you will see a significant decrease in the number of sales after mm-hmm. that price increase happens. So what you see, and that's just in one package, uh, distributors and suppliers try their best to not have prices go up across the board within a family of brands. Mm-hmm. So say Bud Light has a, has a price increase. Rarely will you ever see six packs, 12 packs, 18s, and 24s go up at the same time. You'll see them staggered. You know, one may go up in the spring and like the six packs and 18 packs may go up in the spring and then 12s and 24s go up in the fall. But that also that also accounts for like there there's other anomalies within those price categories that they also have to account for. Right. Yeah. You have a category. Yes. has more per bottle, more packaging that it has to be able to pay for than Mm -hmm. say a 30 rack. So exactly. that's also part of the reason they'll spread it out because mm-hmm. they'll say, hey, you know, this 30 rack, it's, it's a value 15 cents. There is a much smaller per percent increase per ounce. Yes. But uh, also they uh, <laughs> when price increases happen, you're correct. That's typically the way they're done. But when price increases happen, rarely are they done due to a materials cost increase. A materials cost increase would go up across the board, like basically by package or by unit within the package. And and, and we have to state for no other reason than the government. Yes. The market dictates this a lot, right? Like like aluminum shortages, that that can dictate stuff like this, but it's not the government doing. An outside entity that has no invested interest in any of this taking place. Uh, So... What 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 kills me is when people go in and they're like, it's just a five cent increase. Like, well, like per per unit. Okay, again, I repeat, five cents equates to almost fifteen cents at retail, just based on the way retailers work within our current our our, our current three tier system. Uh, that, that that I'm not saying it's going to cause a fucking crisis, but. For the people who listen to this show, they're going to probably buy beer no matter what. But for the mm-hmm. average, we're, the person who listens to this is not the average consumer. The average consumer, however, does buy beer based on price. And to me, that kind of pisses me off when we're already heading into uh, a time where there's a generation of, of legal drinking age consumers who are not drinking beer. Like 21 to 24-year-olds are not drinking beer. Matter of fact, they're drinking less in general, less alcohol in general. And that can be due to a lot of other factors, uh, legalized marijuana being one of the biggest ones that no one's really talking about. But 21 to 24-year-olds just typically aren't getting fucked up on alcohol. And uh, for a government, for the government to place a, an uncalled-for tax on, uh, on a segment of consumer goods that is you know, doing pretty well for itself, but at the same time is still pretty volatile in the, uh, in the consumer market... Like, why are you doing that? So then, as I was thinking about this whole fucking random tariff bit, I got to thinking, like, uh, is there anyone, you know, because you hear, you heard after the tariff was announced that uh, there were stocks that fell uh, yeah. pretty pretty oh, God. dramatically. Yeah, just egregious. Now, Frank, I'm a pretty cynical person. Um, so 
when I heard that, like I started thinking, like, is there anyone who's tracing any stock purchases <laughs> um, that may have happened? Brian, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> it annoys the shit out of me that something so like I don't want to say blatant because it's not. Maybe, maybe, maybe no, no, no. Maybe no. someone this, this could, is egregiously blatant. Okay? Someone, and someone could easily manipulate a market to their own benefit and the benefit of those. They normally get caught two days after the event. Mm-hmm. This the tweets started flowing about six hours after he sold. Yeah. I how how is it? <laughs> how is it that um that one of his <laughs> I don't even know how he's related to Donald Trump in the big scheme of things. He was a former economic advisor just like Gary Cohn. But the former economic advisor to yeah. Donald Trump's White House uh decided to sell off a shit ton of stocks. <laughs> Thirty-one million dollars worth of steel stocks. Carl Icahn sold, and to me, to me, that would be a red flag if, within twenty-four hours, um, the leader of the free world were to announce a very large tariff. You know, twenty-five percent tariff on steel imports. Pretty, pretty big. Thus, putting us into what he, you know, a trade war. We win a trade war. Everybody wins in a trade war. So here, here's here's the thing, okay? Uh, Carl Icahn has had a very long run. <clears throat> him, him and Boone Pickens are in the same class, okay? They, um, they had a very long run in the 80s as corporate raiders. Then they became sort of stock pickers in the 90s. Then they went back to not corporate raiders, but mostly like industry consolidators in the 2000s. Made a lot of money doing that. Um, in various industries, I believe Icon focused mostly on the U.S. auto market um, and several textile factories. And he 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 made a ton of money doing it. So what he'd do is he'd go in, replace the board, um, replace the CEO, uh, run the company in favor of investors. And so he was the first person, him and Boone, kind of to exercise the shareholder right powers. Um, but it's it's well known that <clears throat> they both had a very long run of successful stock picking within a hedge fund that they ran independently, right? So Boone at his, Icon at his, and if if you are a statistical anomaly in stock picking, it is a statistical improbability, a massive improbability that you did that without some form of insider trading. I was going to say outside influence, you could say, or inside influence. So when you see these people, i.e. Bernie Madoff, go long, long stretches without losing a lot of money, but most of the time making tons of money, um, you do have to, you've got to question it. And, even in some ways, you've got to question people like Warren Buffett and how they're able to do it. Warren Buffett's a little bit different because he indexes. He doesn't pick specific specific stocks. He just buys shares in some of the biggest companies in America and then bets on the U.S. economy. And that's, that's a different kind of bet. Carl Icahn has a long history of buying specific companies 
and then selling them luckily at right times. And um, people have been suspect about his trading practices for a long time. And Brian, you remember kind of a week ago when I said the best way to insider trade is to do what? Go for a walk in the middle of the park. Right. Uh, if if you can if you don't leave a paper trail, insider trading is a very easy thing to do. These people have corporate connections. They can invite each other on walks. They can go on runs. There's right like there's a whole social life within that mm-hmm. New York community that you can make a ton of money exploiting if you're responsible doing it. If you're not greedy. Um, this seems to be one of those moments, and most of the time these people don't get caught, but we will see if um, – so we'll see two things. We'll see if the SEC has enough balls to investigate him. This is 100% a, a tip-off. There has to be a – if there is not a SEC inquiry filed, the uh, New York Attorney General will most likely – launch an insider trading investigation because he has the authority to do that over wall street if the sec is unwilling to do it so they have that's how that balance of power is checked um so look for those things to hopefully get announced here soon because it's about time that's all i've got to say carl Carl icon has been not clean for decades and uh this this might be um this might be his downfall and it was so brazen. It's always with insider trading, the most brazen things that get these people caught because you don't have to be this brazen. You don't need to go sell 31 million million. stock. You you can go sell $3 million worth and it wouldn't look this bad. No. Um, So yeah, I, that was a good catch on your part for noticing that Brian, a lot of people miss that story, but it's a huge one. Well, and what gets me like, what tipped me off was the fact that no one was made aware that he was going to say what he said in that meeting that Donald Trump is. And to me, like you don't just say things like that to say things. Uh, but that, I feel like that is it's one of two things. One, it's it's testing the waters like or testing the thickness of the ice. How much can I get away with? And then just be like, Meh, oh, you know, it was just something I said. It wasn't something, you know, it got shot down. No one, uh, no one, n- nothing ever happened. The tariffs never took place or what have you. And nothing ever comes of it. Then that's that's test one. Test two could be way, way bigger and way more egregious. And because test one didn't, didn't trigger any SEC violations or... Mm-hmm. any uh, investigations that warranted arrests or punishment of any kind, then step two can be that much, that much more ridiculous and then not have any precedent to go off of. Uh, the, the other thing that gets me is like when people, <clears throat> the, the counter to that, that this whole theory is that, okay, what is, why would, what would Donald Trump benefit from making that statement? I'm like j- y- y- the fact that he owns as many companies and as like little mini hands, little tiny hands that he has in different pots, those hands can still catch, can reap the benefits of corporate investment or corporate payments into things. No, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not hard for him to benefit off the presidency. I, if, if, if you truly believe he is a person on the up and up, not benefiting to the maximum of, of this time in office, you are joking. Uh, It is, a person with that kind of wealth can benefit in ways that you you won't fully comprehend. 
um, today, and you won't fully comprehend for probably a decade. It's very difficult to understand well, in complex business dealings how – I mean, but Donald Trump, let's, let's say – and again, it's very hard to prove um, his net worth because it's – Undocumented? Well, he owes so much money. Well, that's that what I was going to get into. It, it doesn't even have to be that he gains any money. It could be that yeah. debts are just forgotten. And well, like exactly, and and I mean the man the man claims to be worth three billion. So let's say three billion, right? That is a mini corporation mm-hmm. running the country. So if if you see three billion there, you see Wilbur Ross at five. You see. Um, Gary Cohn at just under a billion. You see Betsy DeVos and her family's billions, and right, you just voted and are controlled by people who have so much fucking money. Um, it's obscene, and you're expecting these laws to just be upheld in some magical way, even though they've not been upheld for decades like I, I mean bernie madoff got away with illegally running a hedge fund for damn near 40 years and, and you're expecting us to catch the shit trump is gonna do over the next four years to make himself wealthier and to yeah it's not gonna happen it's not you just have to sort of assume it's happening and hopefully we catch him it's highly unlikely we will um it sort of just comes with the territory but carl icon deserves to be have an insider trading probe launched against him. The 100%. one percent. The one thing that that gets me that that helps me sleep at night is knowing that Robert Mueller still has Deutsche Bank uh, investigations going on with Donald <laughs> Trump's. Uh, uh, investments. I think at, at a minimum, at a minimum, when you run for president, the four major banks in this country should be willing to lend you ten bucks. And <laughs> Donald Trump could not get a loan from J.P. Morgan, could not get a loan from Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, um, or Goldman Sachs for any of his projects. Okay, that that tells you enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does, but apparently not for some people who still believe. I don't know. Forty six federal government's going to come take their guns or some shit. Forty six percent of the United States, Frank. Don't you ever forget that it was only forty six percent of the United yeah. States. And you can claim electoral college victory all you want, but there was only forty six percent of the country that fucking voted for you. Forty six. <laughs> well, with gerrymandered maps that are currently in the Supreme Court, so not yeah, everywhere. You're right, and that's you're right. The issue. I, saw, I saw Texas right now. The the Republicans statewide have a twenty point lead. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. Let's see Ted Cruz on stage debating Beto O'Rourke. He's going to let's see where this goes. You know what? They should have it in I don't know. Primary. What's don't the shit. What's the highest altitude uh in Texas? Cuz I want to take that I want to take I want to put that to uh Beto's advantage and put Ted at a higher altitude. That's that air even at a 10 foot over sea level. He's going to get winded, man. That oxygen's just not the same at 10 feet. <laughs> when you're operating at Ted's low low output, uh he's He's going to suffer, man. He's going to need an oxygen tank there on the sidelines. <sighs> Listen, when your favorite host of No Beer Left Behind is fully confident that he can outrun someone in a fucking foot race of any distance, there's a problem with Ted Cruz. Is all I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, Todd, yeah. there's a problem with Todd Cruz. 
Well, Todd Cruz and David Dennison surely have. <laughs> David Dennison? That's relation. what you're going with now? No, David Dennison is Trump's alias. Oh, yeah, I forgot. That's the one he would I'm call Stormy him. Daniels' alias, yeah. Oh. oh <laughs> what, Dennison. What was the name that he used to call in the New York, uh, the New Yorker? And, like, do he was the press, he was oh, Donald Trump's ooh. press secretary yeah, or whatever? I cannot remember, but yes. It, it was something to... like Tommy Thompson or some bullshit yeah. name. He would, he would come in and, and write into the editorial board and, like, all this stuff. There, there's... Get into the opinion pages. He called... And it was always... So super capitalist, like the government shouldn't be telling Donald Trump where to pull permits, and, da, da, da. and it was like Tommy from New Jersey. <laughs> it was it was like a prank caller of a radio show. He called in, I think it was he called in like Vanity Fair or some bullshit, and uh, the reporter who took the call recorded it, and it was like clearly Donald Trump talking. <laughs> There's just no no doubt about it. Like how I remember that. There's a uh, there's a Netflix documentary to take bring it back to Netflix as we kind of close out. Uh there's a Netflix documentary. It's called like Money Grab or some bullshit. Or it's like called like Dirty Money. There's like four episode series that they did and episode 4 is involving Donald Trump. And it's like it doesn't go past like maybe two thousand or something like that, yeah. and the bullshit that he's done. Uh, but like, I I was I was caught off guard by how he sounded the exact same in the eighties as he sounds today, talking about just bullshit rambling makes no, no sense what, to that, what he's the fuck been he's known for the rambling for. But I never, I never understood that. Like, <laughs> I was like, surely this is just a doddering old man, and everybody's like, no, he meant no. well early on in his career, and he's just, eh, it's just hard for him to get it out. No, no, he's been just spewing nonsense for fucking three decades. Well, here's the problem. Well, he's going on seven decades of spewing well, I'm, shit. Well, I'm but... talking about in front of. Uh, I only have three decades to go off of, Frank. Uh, that's all I gotta say. I don't, I'm, Dude, the fact that he was somehow able to suppress the Brooklyn or not the sorry the Central Park 5 story the Brooklyn apartment buildings that he built that he built with uh goods that he was supposed to fix the projects with um and then use subpar construction to fix the project so he was charging um upwards of a million dollars per apartment in in Brooklyn and in the Trump Tower um, using materials that had uh, been removed from the projects and been given to him to replace goods in the projects um, and then use some like subpar asbestos-ridden shit in the projects. Like the, the man has never had an honest how, bone in his body. How about the time he built the Trump Taj Mahal in, in Atlantic City, a casino yeah. That uh, well, he bought it. He bought it out of bankruptcy. Well, and at one point he was running a casino that did not have enough money on hand mm -hmm. to pay out jackpots. So he had to, to ask. Pay out winnings, yeah. He had to ask his dad to come in and buy three million dollars worth of chips and then just leave. Yep. So basically, his dad just dropped off three three mil at the front desk, knowing it would never be redeemed. Knowing that, yeah, and it took three million dollars worth of chips and just left the casino. That's how that well, casino I'm stayed sure, open. Knowing Donald Trump, he probably had a million dollar chip 
yeah. several of them on hand just, just made, because. Just made for that occasion. And Dad walked out with three million. See, it's so easy to launder money at the Taj Mahal. You just walk out with three plastic chips. Three plastic chips and we're done. Like, you come back <laughs> later in about three to five days and you've got your uh, your your 2.7 mil. You're good to go. Yeah. And the guy's a genius, right? I, I can only imagine, it, like, Muller sitting back, like, He's putting this case together, and it's just straight lines everywhere. You're like, man, this guy was this guy even trying? He like, doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't have like a room full of newspaper clippings and red yarn tied no. from picture to picture. It's just a fucking timeline. It's just one straight. He line. literally emailed Putin. What the fuck, man? Why would you do that? <laughs> so, and to close out, because I, I know we're we're gonna try to wrap up pretty quick, but um, homeboy who basically is trying to plead insanity. I think people need to just leave him the fuck alone. Oh, Nunberg. Nunberg. Like, homeboy is, he's either off his rocker legitimately, or he's putting a quarter in everybody's ass and playing the entire country. I I think it's the latter. I think it is. he, He really is just trying to be the ultimate troll of... Uh, of, I don't even think he's trolling. I think he's testing a response strategy to a Mueller indictment, and it didn't work. Like I, I think he was thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to go on CNN. I'm going to tell these people it's absurd that he's asking for this, and maybe I'll get some support right from the Fox News crowd to discredit this Mueller thing. Yeah, And I think it totally backfired on him. Well, yeah, no, and then I think he then took that and had to run with it in the other direction of like just shitting your pants on TV. Like I'm oh, a crazy, I'm a crazy be. person, incriminating myself so badly that uh, there's no way anyone will believe me. Like, I think they have some stuff on Trump, dude. <laughs> shut up, yeah. Like, what are I you, mean, fucking twelve? I, I think so too. But what are, what do you think they've got? I don't know, but I think they've got something. Okay, asshole. Thanks. He at one point he said, "I think they've got something on Trump." Or maybe not. Yeah. He literally said, or maybe he not. He did. Like, fuck he you. Did. Get out of here. <laughs> like, so you're nobody. You're, you're a dumb Kellyanne Conway. Get the fuck out. Just, yeah. there's the door. Just, just leave. Hey, give me one more thing, okay? Okay, go ahead. So, uh, well, give me, give me two more things, but they'll be quick hitters. Quick hitter number one, you kids out there on college campuses protesting these, you call them Nazis. They happen to just have opposing viewpoints. Um, I'm not talking about Milo Yanunupolis or whatever. He is a literal Nazi. Um, I'm talking about people having constructive academic debates about gender equality and, um, you know, about actual supported research. Like, if you go actually look at these debates online, there will be female biologists that do research and male biologists, and they all lead to some version of a half truth landing between like genetic differences in males and females could explain certain career types that they choose. And, um, you know, maybe we need to use that research to guide or to soften some of the messaging in, in those career types, or maybe in some cases, you know, if you can't deal with that, then you shouldn't be in that career, right? Like, like very constructive academic debates. You've got these fools showing up nuke, like just nuking these discussions um, protesting them off of university campuses. If we can't have the debates there, where do we have them? Right? Like, this is how academics work. This is how we land on not popular opinion always, but we land on a, a crowd think opinion that we run with for a bit to, you know, have constructive 
changes and debates in society um, that aren't just scatterbrained and random and, you know, have, have no central thought system put around them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you guys, like, please, whatever this generation of Twitter trolls that we've created, just grow up. Okay, not everybody's a Nazi, not everybody's a racist, not everybody's a fascist. Get yourself familiar with what those people are so you can call them out. But just because someone disagrees with you or just because someone says the gender pay gap is not necessarily 100% a fabrication of intentional discrimination, um, you should listen. Stop it with this bullshit shouting louder than everybody else just because you don't agree with them or you're this hyper kind of gender appreciator. I don't even know what to call it, but it's like, it's not even feminist. It's like, you know, it's just this, like, I'm this hyper conscious individual that now gets to decide for everybody. What's right. Super woke is what that would be. Yeah. Uber woke, Uber woke. That is, it really starting to just infuriate me. Um, Well, what, what, when, I was. I brought it. We we kind of talked about this before, uh, like earlier today on on our little thread, and I brought up the fact that like this is exactly what will drive the other like a, a, a wedge even further uh, yeah. between legitimate conversations and and further divide people. Is we'll take people who are already on the verge of being the fringe of society and firmly put them outside of society. If you will not even attempt to hear their, their opinion, how right or wrong it may be. Uh, like, but no, no one is sitting there, right? Like forcing you to go listen to a Nazi talk. Well, it's just like how, when we were on OSU's campus, no one forced you to go listen to preacher Bob yell at you and call you the F word for wearing a pink shirt. But at the same time, like listening to that nonsense, was a benefit to people to understand like this dude's batshit crazy. And you hear someone who like maybe also shares the same religious beliefs go. Yeah, that dude is batshit crazy. Not all people like that are not all Baptists are like that. (laughs) That dude is a fucking asshole. Like that's, that's a benefit. It, it allows the type of thinking that you're wanting to encourage at a college, (laughs) like on a college campus like that. That's, that's a good place for that discussion to happen. Yeah, and you're think- perpetuating this opinion that is detrimental to the university system as a whole, mm-hmm. that they are liberal safe spaces. They should not be. That, like, the university is where you go to challenge thinking. Now, does it happen more often that liberal views align more with, like, Higher being education? able to have good critical thinking skills. I know that's going to be a controversial statement in and of itself, but but it's, it's not because the conservative (laughs) viewpoint is like, well, the, the, the Christian conservative viewpoint is that you do what your father has told you. And the father could be a capital F or a lowercase F meaning God. They're going to be the Bible or the house. Yes, exactly. And that, that statement in and of itself (laughs) basically says liberal thinking is not, not a, not an option. Yeah, but so so but but in in all honesty, like your point is the right it's the right point. And the 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 part that just makes me very it's I'm not afraid, but I'm disappointed is that the institutions where this is happening are some of the top institutions in the world for academia it's the oxfords it's queen's university in ontario canada it's um 
Yale, it's uh, Berkeley. It's we we should always encourage discourse, civil discourse. We should not allow Nazis to speak. That is not what I'm saying. Um, I I I do understand that there is implicit um, validation of a viewpoint if a university allows someone to come speak. So they need to vet these people. These things need to be supported by research. But if you're going to shout down an academic that has peer-reviewed work that got funded by national research institutions just because you don't believe in the outcome or you don't agree with the outcome of their work and you can't stand up against it with your own set of facts and your own set of research as a university, you can't put anyone out there who has different opposing viewpoints with different research that say different things. Um, and you allow these kids to be out there shouting this person down, you're losing credibility at a rapid pace. And personally, I believe these kids should be expelled. Um, they don't belong in a, in a university system. Um, they clearly have no understanding what academia is about. Uh, but if you're not going to go to the expulsion route, then they should at least they should see some version of a, a punishment. And it's not... It's, it's not acceptable to not want civil discourse and to take a, a riotous approach to uh, trying to shut it down. That is, that is never acceptable. Right. Um, it's, it's just not – when Marx and Smith had discussions about economics, um, better economic theory came from it. They spoke from two completely different sides of the room, okay? If you can't see why that's important on either side, uh, you don't deserve to be in the room where the discussion is being held. And I understand that these are sometimes the most passionate people about these subjects. Um, but that's, that's the way I see it. I cannot believe... Um, some of the things that I'm seeing happening at these respected institutions where they have respected panels come on, have discussions about difficult topics that belong in academia with research that supports either viewpoint. Um, and these people are being called Nazis for having the discussion. It is humiliating. I think you said it best earlier, which was, if you have an opposing, if you have someone with an opposing viewpoint, let them speak, and then put yeah. a very good counter debater up against them to prove how ridiculous their argument is. Exactly, I think that's far more valuable in a society, especially in a democratic society. Yeah. Now, on 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 a lighter note, I want to finish with something that I found pretty hilarious, and I think you will too. The the European, I guess. The Isles of, of, of the former United Kingdom, they're no longer all part of the UK, but they've experienced a pretty heavy snowstorm, right? And I've, I've experienced this firsthand because I do have a client uh, in London, and they allow a lot of their people to work remotely. And um, so I've got people in Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland and the northern uh, parts of England, and it, they've had this massive snowstorm. Uh, and they call it the beast from the east. Okay, I'm sure you've probably seen the hashtag on Twitter every once in a while. But 
the bees from the east hit them and dumped like a foot of snow in parts of Wales who literally they, they have no snow removal equipment, right? So it's like dumping a foot of snow on Austin, Texas. Yeah. So they they uh, they get all this snow and the town of let me just get it right. Yeah, Brighton. So the the town of Brighton had planned a cheese festival, okay? And the cheese festival is one of the highlights of their year. Everybody thought, okay, they're going to cancel the cheese festival. I really hope they don't. Looking forward to it. And they just kept saying, no, cheese festival's on. Cheese festival's on. They paid 22 pounds to get into this cheese festival, right? It's about $35. So everybody's like, okay, perfect. The cheese festival said there will be a plethora of the finest international cheesemakers and mongers showcasing their amazing cheeses. Okay. There were four stalls, Brian. Oh, no. <laughs> People showed up to four stalls and hours long waits to try these four places' cheeses. Okay. <laughs> like the disappointing part or the shocking part to me, right? So, you know, festivals have those new bands. Like at a festival, you can choose to go cheap and just buy the old school kind of like glue yourself yeah the peel and stick bands yeah the peel and stick ones or you can go full-fledged like festival style and do the uh the little jaws clamp that you can only do one way and then you have to cut it off right yep they went jaws clamp okay so huge like they took this seriously four stalls showed up people are pissed (laughs) Like absolutely <laughs> pissed about this cheese festival. Only have four things. So, one question for you: Have you ever looked forward to something like that? Because I think, first off, cheese festivals in the U.S. need to become a thing. I love cheese. I've only been to a cheese festival in Wisconsin. I don't understand why this isn't a thing all across this country. Let's get on it, America. Cheese is maybe my favorite food. I- Second. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. Now I was going to say I've never been to a cheese fest, but I would definitely look into it if there was one nearby. And call it a cheese and beer fest? Oh, my God. Cheese and wine? Yeah. I just call oh, it man. cheese fest. I, yeah. I don't care. Cheese I don't give a shit what's serve, happening. Cheese fest and serve wine, right? Like, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Not, it's not a wine and cheese fest. This is a cheese fest, and we also serve wine. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never been to a cheese fest. I've also. The road, they might have some cheese. This is fucking cheese, and we have three wines. It's a cheese fest where my where wine might be broken out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're lucky, we open up a good Bordeaux, but no promises. Okay. Well, it's Texas and Oklahoma. There's probably not a fucking. We opened up <laughs> a gonna, Moscato. Open up some Willamette Valley Pinot Noir. Willamette, so, damn it! It's Willamette. Willamette. No, it's Willamette. Damn it! That's how you know you're pronouncing it correctly. I literally, I'm not shitting you. I just had this conversation with somebody on Instagram. They are visiting the Willamette Valley. I was, uh, I was yelled at in a Cicerone class. You would know this if you were an actual certified Cicerone. Um, that the Willamette hop, I, I pronounced it Willamette, and the one of the eight master Cicerones in the world goes, "It's Willamette, damn it!" And I was like, "What?" He's like it. You know you're saying so you it right. No, you're pronouncing it right. It's if you're saying if it rhymes with damn it. You're pronouncing it correctly. Oh, that's cool. So well, that's Willamette, a good damn it. I will never get that wrong now. It's I, I literally just hit this dude up with it. Like as you were talking, uh, you're finishing up your 
your uh, <laughs> your your college rant. Uh, and uh, I literally said, well, am it, damn it. Say it to the locals, see what they say. <laughs> I got corrected hardcore in a Cicerone class for pronouncing it incorrectly. And he he responded, W-I-L-L-A-M-I-T. Will am it. So, well, fair enough. So, um, yeah, we need to get on the cheese fest bandwagon. But my real question to you, Brian, have mm-hmm. you ever looked forward to something so much? Only to be severely disappointed on the follow through. Uh, to this extent, how much time do you have? No, I. Well, I, I just want. I just want one. I, un, uh, Index Fest last year. That was okay. Where I went and saw Big Boy, and uh, I was disappointed. I, I I would have been more disappointed had I paid for tickets. <laughs> I was I was disappointed. I was equally as disappointed for other people who did have to pay good money to go to that festival. I was upset. Okay. You know? I, that's, I mean, that's fair. I, I think most people hopefully don't have very many of these experiences, but um, I I haven't had one quite this bad, but I, I figured you probably had because you, you go to a lot of these things with, with the job that you've got. I See, I always like... The one good thing about the festivals and the, the stuff that I go to is that I always end up like... Win or lose, you're gonna booze. You know, like at some point in time, you're gonna drink beer. So that yeah, really and there's evens no things out. Now, yeah, I think the the on the opposite end of the curve, um, we do need to come to Hops for Hope down here, okay. which is my version of the opposite of this. I guess, <laughs> like I thought it was gonna suck, and it ended up being like. 30 beer vendors from across the country bringing their best barrel aged shit and me looking at like dope graffiti artists from all around the country some of which were very famous sweet um, and you could buy their work it is awesome it's always in November it's always in November yep shit okay yeah. Yeah, let me know when it gets closer, and uh, I'll try to come down to it because that sounds it's fun fantastic. as fuck. So on beer events, there's a there's an Oklahoma Strong Ale Fest where Ooh. Oklahoma brewers get together in like Oklahoma City, I think, and they bring all like ten percent plus beers. And uh, one of my favorites, Roughtail, is uh, is bringing. Do what, Frank? Yeah, do people drive home after that? I don't know. Um, so that's kind of what's stopped. There used to be a big barley wine festival out in California, and I think that might have been the demise to the barley wine fest. Okay, I can imagine. Um, I mean, it's like that's, most of these things aren't held up the road. No, the road, no, right? no, 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 no. Like, they're not. Ha- they're not held in people's neighborhoods. Uh, <laughs> Those are held in common spaces where people have to drive in and out. No, I went to a barley wine and swine fest at uh, the Flying Saucer for my birthday one year, and it went so well that our buddy Derek fell asleep at the table. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a shit kicker of a time. I think I had nine or ten barley wines that night. Woo. I was not driving, so it was all good. I don't get you slammered. I was fucked up. <laughs> anyway... Uh, but the America Strong or the Oklahoma Strong Ale Festival is some cool shit. I think uh, that would be interesting going to if I'm o- up in Oklahoma during when it's happening. I might have to oh. check it out. But anyway, yeah, we can plan a trip, huh? Uh, it might be happening also this weekend, and I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. No, I, I didn't yeah. look at the dates. Speaking of out. Anyway, 
Um, that pretty much does it for us here at Nowhere Left Behind. Um, if you don't already follow us on social media, go ahead and do that. Facebook.com backslash no beer left behind Twitter and Instagram at no beer left cast. And, uh, don't forget to subscribe. And as we've been saying the last couple of episodes, rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast directory. Uh, any bit of review work that you can do for us will help increase our appearance on uh, people's searches and, uh, maybe, Maybe boost uh, boost how much uh, how big our audience gets. We would appreciate it, okay, guys. And um, you know, until next time for Brian here in North Texas, I'm drinking a nice pink raspberry provincial from Funkworks, which is just a dope ass raspberry saison. Till next time, I'm out. For Frank in uh, far south Oklahoma City. Um, yeah, I've normally for this part I use the R not the onion page. There are so many absurd things happening right now. Just go read it. I mean, it ranges from a drug minister who opposes drug regulations while their husband is growing 45 acres of weed, a man who camps in his caravan found guilty of illegally camping on their own property, and an Australian man who as a dare swallowed a garden slug. Um, now in court with the Australian government because their national health care will not pay for it. So. <laughs> for Frank, I'm out. Boo!